Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's most prominent media, we'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, welcome along, everyone, to the Experts Podcast. Nick Hayes from Media Stable here. Who, Hel- who have I got over here? Hello, Nick Hayes. I'm Lana Hill from Expert Registry. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, as we always do. Lana, a, a topic that has been, I think, top of mind yeah. um, for a long time, particularly for Media Stable, has been the, I guess, the influence also to the participation of female experts and commentators in Australian media. Yeah. It has been something there that Media Stable, uh, very early in the days, and I'll just set this up before I introduce our our guest who will be discussing her research and details into this, is that uh, it was about 80-20. 80% of men put their hand up, 20% of women. At the very start, eight years ago when Media Stable started, 80% of men put their hands up to want to be an expert. And 20% (laughs) of females. But that number has changed and we'll discuss that. Yes, love that. A little bit more. I want to welcome our guest, Dr. Catherine Shine. Now, she's the journalism journalism disciplined lead. This is a very long title, Lana. It's I, worth it, though. I'm going to get this right. <laughs> journalism a Postgraduate Course Coordinator at Curtin University, the School of Media, Creative Arts and Social Inquiry uh, Executive. Hang on, we've got more here. Executive Member, Journalism Education and Research Association of Australia. Catherine, that's a hell of a title. That was quite a mouthful. <laughs> Normally, people don't say all of that at once. <laughs> um, discipline lead or head of journalism will suffice. That's yeah. awesome. Well, it's wonderful to have you in here because it's a great topic to talk about around whether men and women, are we equal as far as our media share goes? What's your thoughts? Absolutely not. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, there's been a lot of research and data produced from all around the world now that has shown that it's overall somewhere around 70% men, 30% women. Wow. But when you look at experts, it goes down. It goes up to 80% men, about 20% women. So we're not we are seeing that women are very underrepresented in news content. Your piece of research that you did and it's called Willing But Wary, Australian Women Experts' Attitudes to Engaging with News Media. You did it across 30 academics within your own university. Um, so that's a small sample, a small pool, but I dare say it's probably fairly reflective uh, of the academics that are across there. What were just some of the key findings that, you, 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 that stood out uh, other than obviously the number uh, <laughs> or the lack of number of female experts in Australian media? Sure. So I think one of the reasons that I did the research is because I wanted to get a better idea of why that was the case, why and whether it was women did not want to engage or were very reluctant to engage. And so they're the kinds of questions that I asked them and probably the most significant finding was that almost all of the 30 said that they were willing to be interviewed. That didn't necessarily mean that they felt super confident about it, (laughs) but but more so that they knew that it was important to do so, it, that they need to get their work out in the public domain. Yep. Some of them are really intrinsically motivated to do that and, and they can see 
lots of benefits for them in that as well. But for the uh, for some others, it was more a case of, well, the university really wants me to do this, so I will. So they weren't, you know, jumping for joy at the prospect, <laughs> but they would still do it. So I think out of the 30, probably I think only one was a fairly emphatic no, and that was because she'd had some bad experiences in the past. Yes. So she had been willing, but she had been put off. Yep. So I think it's... I think that was really significant that not only were they willing, but they could see that they kind of, there, there were um, job reasons to do so. Like it was important for their job to do that. Sure. But on the other side of that, a lot of them did express that they lacked confidence in dealing with the media or and or didn't really understand how the media worked and yep. what, what, what the media wanted from them. And they also talked about things like time and not having very much time. And I think journalists always talk about how they have no time, which is very legitimate. But I think they also need to appreciate that when they're trying to talk to experts, those experts' times of time is very limited too. Yeah. And also just being cautious. They were generally very cautious. And that wasn't all about interacting with journalists. Some of that caution came from how the public responds to them sure. when they go out and make public commentary. And women more than men are targeted through things like trolling. And so Ooh, they, yes. are, they are worried sometimes about how people will, the public will respond to what they say out in the media. I, I, Lana, I, I think I, I heard the word want. Uh, a couple of times there from from Dr. Catherine Shine in that the want to do it. You know, I want to do it or the university wants me to do it. Now, this is fairly to do with academics, of course. You know, we deal with experts right across all sectors. In fact, if anything, we, we, we don't have as many academics as what we possibly should We'd have. We'd love some more, actually. We would. But I, 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 <laughs> I think can that, recommend some for you. Well, Please. I, we will have some <laughs> chats about this afterwards, Catherine. But I think that the real issue is the want. Because the, there's three elements that we believe in to be a successful expert. You've got to want to do it. You've got to be good at it. And you've also got to be available. And you just raised those three as being the three sort of hurdles to being successful in media. Lana, you started off as an expert in your space in small business. You know, did you see the hurdles that were sitting in front of you as opposed to a male uh, expert taking your air or taking your oxygen as far as media goes? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely, uh, you know, you assess the landscape, don't you, when, you, when you're about to jump into it. And yeah, you definitely think, what have I got that, or what don't I have that the others have? Um, but uh, I do think a lot of it, for me personally, and I think it's something that your research also uncovers, um, Catherine, is that confidence piece. I think once I sort of owned it within myself, I mm. thought, well, yeah, I actually do bring something to the table that others don't, even if they have more experience than me, even if they do have more academic qualifications than me, I can do it in a way that they can't. But yeah, of course you doubt. And you you worry about your peers' perception of you as well, which I can imagine would play out in the academic space. Absolutely. And one of the issues for women was the concern that they might come across as being big-headed yes. or overly promotional. Tall poppy. Yes, and, and they worry about how other experts will perceive them yep. if they seem to be setting themselves up. I mean, there's even, you know, reluctance to call yourself an expert. Mm. But but a third, about a third of the women 
we're professors. You don't get to be more of an expert than that. You know what's so really true. pleasing to hear this? And, and for our podcast, because this goes out to all potential experts, those developing their expertise and, and wanting to work with media, is that even the h- most highly qualified <laughs> people still have that same fear. Even the actual experts. The actual. <laughs> well, well, we'll get down to that because I think there is an expert in theory and there's an expert in practice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I think in theory, you, you wouldn't be any higher exactly. than that. Exactly. Yeah. Is it is it Catherine? Is it that we just need to train the people who have something to say, that have something to offer, just to understand the media cycle and how it works? If you took a little bit of time to do that, would that make a difference? I think that's hugely beneficial. I also think that you have to really encourage experts to just give it a go. Yes. Because I think that once you've done it a few times and you realise that it's not as scary as you thought it was going to be and, you, you know, you can actually be relatively articulate yeah. and get your point across and that journalists aren't there to... Uh, they're not know, big angry monsters, no, are they? No, they're not. They're absolutely <laughs> yeah, not. Once of you, course. Once I, my big message is just do it and then you start to... Um, Realise it's, it's actually fun and enjoyable and it's it's a great opportunity to talk about what you are really passionate and interested about. Exactly. And that, I'm pretty sure it was the gorgeous Dr. Marnie Lishman uh, that said this, that she was a bit of a reluctant expert at first. Marnie's Correct. done a lot of TV and radio and print. Um, but I remember she said the kind of aha moment for her was when she realised this is how I can make an impact with my research and all of the academic incredible stuff she's done but on a far greater level and affecting more people and just make a bigger difference than what could happen if she just stayed quiet. So, Absolutely. yeah. yeah if, you, if, you, if you're only talking about your research with other researchers in your area, <laughs> exactly. there's no point. Who's it going to raise? Yeah, it bubble. has it's to bubble. get out there. It has yeah. to get that out there to community. Catherine, that really does raise a big issue there for academia in that previously – and, and I think this is only just a new phenomenon there for universities to take their research and, and make it more public because, let's face it, uh, academia and uh, professors and, and those that are in the, that, the higher echelons of, uh, of universities, really their pay grades only go up when they're featured in journals or featured in specific journals that are only read by very few. Um, but to take it to the general public, it, it is relatively new, this. Is, is this the challenge there to change the mindset Set of academics to want to do more of this? The universities have changed how they evaluate staff and partly that is in response to the federal government saying that they want universities to show the engagement and impact of their research. So just ah. producing research yes. is no longer enough. Yep. So even when you um, apply for promotion now usually in a university, a big element of that, and it is a new thing, is engagement and impact. So you have to demonstrate that your research is actually getting out there and affecting people, not just being published. Sure. It's, it, is, it is amazing because I think I've seen that change. I, and having worked in the media monitoring industry, and they, this is a bit of an oxymoron, they call it media intelligence now, um, <laughs> in that the uh, universities over in the UK were only believed and graded on the periodicals and the, the very specialist um, publications that were there. That would be the only way that they would get a pay rise or an upgrade in what they're doing. But now they're seeing that you, you have to be public because yeah. the other side of it is, is that the universities are very competitive yes. for, uh, for students. And, and dollars. And dollars. Yeah. Absolutely. So part of it is about 
um, Im- improving your reputation for students and your visibility for students. But part of it is also about uh, attracting grants from external bodies ah, and from from government bodies. So the more your university or your research is at a, in a particular area at the university, uh, they are visible and prominent and establishing that kind of reputation, the more likely you are to you know bring in various sources of income. So that's part of it too. Mm, Catherine, Catherine, can I put you on the spot here? Do you think it's the media's issue or do you think it's the experts' issue? Uh, and being let's, let's look at female experts and look at the media. Is it whose issue is it? Is it the media's <laughs> or is it the expert? Because look, you've you've highlighted in your research all the reasons why there are hurdles for females to being there. But what can the media be doing better? Or, or let's get back to that first question: Who, who's whose problem is it? Honestly, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I think. Both areas can absolutely address it, though. That's the great news, is this is not an insurmountable problem. The media do need to think a lot... Well, the media have started to think more strategically around things like diversity of sources, Mm. but that's a relatively new thing and um, not so much in commercial media... For example, the ABC has taken has followed the lead of the BBC in the UK with its fifty fifty initiative. They've sure. they've been trying for some time ah. now to have fifty percent men, fifty percent women in their news sourcing, right. which is fantastic. And it's it is being picked up. I don't think that they've got to fifty fifty yet, but they certainly are trying. Commercial media perhaps are a little bit um, lagging behind. Yep. But I do think that they're starting to become more aware of this, and so part of it is acknowledging and, and reviewing things. So saying, oh, maybe I really need to have a look at who I, who do I go to for my sourcing, particularly in terms of experts. Is it the same kind of people? Is it a lot of men and not so many women? So, you know, an individual journalist can, can quite easily start to look at that. The organisation can certainly support it too. And then in, tr- in terms of trying to identify and find new sources, Journalists, I think, need to be willing to be to put in a little bit more time initially in terms of trying to encourage new sources, particularly women, to be involved. Yeah. But I do think that once you, if you put in that initial time, talking them through the process, explaining it to them, telling them exactly what you want from them, and build that relationship, then you've got that contact mm. for the rest of your career and you're and, and you're really setting up that person to do it for other media as well which is great so I do think the media can can absolutely turn this around but I, I think experts have to be willing to get on board with it too I love what you're saying there um, because I think it is it is a two-way highway this 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 has to be addressed both by media and also to by the expert themselves and I think there is some education there I think Lana Hill you're going to be very busy at the expert registry training a lot more academics to I get would love that that confidence but <laughs> I, I believe it is just understanding the media cycle and what are the expectations of me and what is the expectations of the media when I'm dealing with them is is media training essentially so I think there's a, there's a little bit of that 
Catherine, I think you're going to be very impressed with this. I just want to show you some stats from Fantastic media stable. Stats. A little few. <laughs> so do I. He's showing off here. I'm showing this off. This is hilarious. I've done my research. <laughs> so when you sent me your research paper and a great read, I highly encourage. In Agreed. fact, we will publish it as yeah. if 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 uh, Thank per, you. Um, if we get your permission to do so. But I think that. Um, as far as the ratio between male and female on our system, on Media Stable's media board. So what we do is we deliver a media board daily to just over 500 media personnel across the country. And uh, here's the breakdown. Um, in January, 78 women produced stories, 49 uh, men produced. In February, 112 Versus 48. Now, that there was a little caveat there. There was Valentine's Day. There seems to be a, high, high, ah. a higher degree of more stories around Valentine's <laughs> Day from females. But in March, and this, is, this was what really got to me because obviously International Women's Day and also to the recent movement about what's going on in the news is 120 women produce stories, 54 men. So our, I guess our data here sort of is really is the complete opposite of the spectrum to the data that you're looking at but I think that's partly uh, the issue is that whether they've produced it, the content or the news whether the media's taken it up or not it's a whole other thing. Well I'm really encouraged by that that's fantastic and it's surprising to me that it that it was that high a number of women uh, I would have thought you'd be doing good to be getting kind of even numbers mm. but perhaps this points to the value of media training and once women do it, I think that they, like you, there, there are some absolutely amazing female um, expert commentators. Sure. Once they've done it and get comfortable with it, I think I can understand why they would be sought after. Yeah. No, look, agreed. Yep. Um, the diversity though amongst, let's talk about radio and broadcasting. I, I'm not necessarily... Oh, sure. Let's talk about that in case. <laughs> well, no, look, it, it, it's, it's, there is no elephant in the room. The elephant's sitting there. You can see it quite clearly. Um, <laughs> but it is highly male-dominated, particularly oh. from a commercial radio um, side of it and also on talkback. Does that play the issue? Is, is it because there's too many men uh, fronting face, front face of the, of the particular media houses that are the issue? Or, or should that be encouraging more females to be the other voice... Uh, compared to that of the men? Well, I think having more women in producing or presenting roles is really important. And interestingly, as part of these conversations with the experts, some of them talked to me about their good experiences, like what yeah. they found was really valuable or helpful. And a couple of people mentioned female journalists or female producers and said she... Um, when she first called me, she told me exactly what she wanted me to do. When On the day when I went into the studio for a radio interview, she prepped me in advance and said, we're going to go in here and we're going to talk about these things in this order. And so they felt that those, you know, I'm not sure if that's a gender thing, but I, to me it seems like perhaps it's a little bit more of a... Uh, compassionate or empathetic way to approach it yes. and sometimes I mean I know myself when I've done lots of interviews with male presenters and they tend to be very all business mm. so it's kind of like okay Catherine great you're on the line let's go boom yeah and that I mean I you know I've I'm, I'm a journalist and I've done a lot of in media and that still can be quite confronting of course yeah and, and and that is and that's the thing isn't it because you're Particularly when you're an expert in a particular space, you're not necessarily an expert communicator no, or an absolutely. expert media commentator. 
And I think that's that's the challenge. I think every academic, and this is this is probably a call out to all universities, if you're serious about your uh, academics representing your brand, give them some media training. Give they, them a chance. They usually do. I mean, they are aware of that. But I think sometimes the best training is experience. Oh, sure. absolutely. So that you know, and they and the media, the universities, to their credit, do do that and um, organise group training and that sort of thing. But the feedback from my researchers is that there's nothing like that one-on-one, yeah. and that's where journalists can also really help because after doing an interview, they can say to someone who's quite inexperienced look, this was great, but maybe think about doing this next time. And those kinds of things can really help as well. And that's in some ways more valuable than anything else. Catherine, I want to ask a question about um, maybe generational bias is the best way to put it. Because, I I mean, yeah, just looking at at radio, for example, in this country, and I want to focus on talkback radio specifically, we're obviously very big fans of talkback radio um, at Media Stable, but it is a heavily, heavily male-dominated space. Um, how how much of a role do you think generational bias, so, you know, men in their kind of 40s and 50s and 60s that are in these power positions, whether they're producers, presenters, um, you know, general managers, program directors, etc., how much of a role do you think that that plays? Do you think we'll see less of this kind of bias happening over time or is it something that needs to be addressed more kind of intentionally than the younger generation will start to get it? I think in commercial radio it does need to be addressed more intentionally and that is one area that is a bit behind the others in terms of gender diversity in, with presenters in particular. Yeah. And I think that they believe that their audiences want to hear from men and, 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 and or sometimes there's like a token women that, woman there and you kind of know <laughs> yep. that she's just been thrown in because it doesn't, it's not a good look to have like three men all just talking. The token woman, yep. Um, <laughs> and so, and I, and I think that's a bit of a mistake for them to be thinking that that's what the audiences want. And we know that women are not as engaged with news as men. So something's not working there. And I do think that, you know, because... As a woman, you don't want to just listen to men talking all day long. Mm. You, know, you feel like you're a bit removed from that experience. Yeah. So I do think they have to. It is. It is an intentional thing. It needs to be intentional. Having we we know that most journalism graduates are women, but that doesn't hasn't really changed the gender ratio in terms of upper management and those senior positions. Yes. Is still dominated by men. Yep. So having more women going into newsrooms hasn't changed that. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is almost, uh, uh, you know, um, casual bias or Absolutely. even unin- unintentional. You know, these people may not necessarily be aware they have a bias, but it's about being more intentional and driving I, change, I think. I think they would just say, Trevor's a great bloke, everyone loves him. This has <laughs> got nothing to do with gender. We just know that our audiences really want to listen to him. Yes, mm. exactly. And that's probably, you know, that's legitimate, but maybe they'd be interested in somebody else. Yep. Totally agree. I think there's something here because I think, you know, obviously a lot of media use people that they know, that are good performers, that um, they, they're trusted, they're always available and and it is hard to get breakthrough. So as a business media stable, you know, we are trying to get breakthrough for a lot of our experts through those that have traditionally uh, already held positions that they're looking to get. 
But, yes. you know, you keep producing content, you keep producing quality content and keep, keep pushing it, you will get there. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's the challenge there for everyone, whether you're male or female, um, you've got to try and do that. Um, I want to throw a couple of things out because it, it always – it does fascinate me because um, we, we talk about um, quotas in federal politics now. We're talking about quotas in, in, in all different spaces there. Is that what we need here, Catherine, is, is quotas? Or are you, are, you, are you encouraging those academics or – and I, I, want, I want to talk about your next lot of research uh, that you've potentially got coming up because I think you want to break that out further. But um, is, are you suggesting quotas here is, is, or is quotas a bad word? Well, I think that the BBC 50-50 initiative is a really great thing and I think that it's good to have aspirational, you know, it's, it's absolutely, media organisations need to be thinking about this yeah. and aiming to be having a better representation of women. Whether or not you need to have a quota is, is a, another thing. I mean, I think it's, it's difficult because in some areas there is genuinely a dearth of women and uh, that can be quite difficult to manage if, you're looking, if, you, if you've set a quota. But I think that aiming for 50-50 is, is a great idea. And, yep. you know, why wouldn't you? 50% of the population are women. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And I think it, it, because the, the numbers are so swayed to one particular side, it is time to even it up. Um, and how we do that is, is the challenge here. It's, uh, it's quite the challenge. What's next, Catherine? What's next on that? Because the 30 academics that you're doing, and can I just preface this question before I say, academics have always been difficult for, for us at Media Stable to work with only because uh, you tend to have your own media teams and connections, etc. So it, it is difficult. I don't deal with a lot of them. But what's next with your research? Are you going to take it across other industries, other uh, sectors to find out what they're experiencing? I would love to do that. And oh, that may be cool. something that I can work with you guys yes. to do. Yes. Because accessing the experts can be quite tricky. Yep. But I think it really needs to be um, – I need to be speaking to people who – from other sectors that do a lot of media commentary, which is, you know, business, finance, um, all sorts of areas potentially, psychology perhaps, um, and try to get a sense of whether their experience is different or the same and whether or not – journalists may be needing to approach those people, those kinds of experts differently too. So yes, this is a starting point and that's what I say in the research because we really have so little research about the experience of the experts themselves. Yeah. And so trying to expand that is is key. We need to do that. We need to know more about it. One of the, one of the big challenges I think, Lana, is the fact that uh, it does cost money to present and push your brand and expertise out there. Yeah. And the, and the changing environment of media is they're not necessarily seeking the best expert. They're always just seeking the expert that's there the, or, or looks to be available or has got a bit of reputation and has done it before. To dive deep, you know, back in the days when you were doing journalism, Catherine, and, and I was working in the early media days, is, you know, we really hunted down the, the, the source, we really hunted down the very keen and the right expert to be talking to. Sometimes the way that the media cycle is running today is that you just have to take what's there. Um, you really just have to uh, – it, it's not very deep diving into finding the very core expert that we're looking for. 
is that what we, is that what we've got? Is that the problem that we're facing? Is that we potentially some of our experts we're going to have to put some money behind them to to make them high, or highlight them and put them up on a, a bit more of a pedestal. That would certainly help. I think uh, journalists doing when you're doing daily news, you ca- you're under enormous pressure, and so they often don't have a lot of time to find experts. But what I would say in that situation is. Journalists have their down days where they're not working on, you know, where, yeah. they're, where they're doing research and working on stories that are not, you know, the daily news. And th- those are the kinds of times where I'd be trying to expand the source pool and perhaps, you know, go out and have a coffee with someone and, you know, those kinds of things like cultivating those networks. You need yep. to do that whenever you have the opportunity. If you, you know... I, I would love it to be an even playing field, but I'm not sure. I don't think it is, and I and I think that if you are promoting yourself through whatever sources you have, you are you are at an advantage because yeah. there are a lot of people out there, so that that makes you more prominent. But also, once you start doing media commentary, people keep coming back to you. So true. Can I ask a question around, uh, you mentioned earlier, Catherine, we know that women aren't engaging with news media as much. I'm fascinated by that. Could you explain that a little bit further, please? I think nobody's really identified exactly why, but I personally think that it may be to do with the fact that we're not seeing a lot of women in the news because we know um, other researchers said that news consumers don't like it when they read news and they feel like it's not, not about relevant them. to them or it, <laughs> it doesn't reflect the reality of their life. Yeah. And so if you're all, if you're only reading things from a male perspective, then that's not really include being very inclusive of women. So exactly why we're still trying to figure out, but it's the research has been quite clear, uh, particularly quite recent research that, and this is around the world that Reuters did a big international study that. Women are definitely not engaging with news in in the same um, way that men do, and to the same extent. Fascinating, mm. yeah. And then they're more likely to be news avoiders. So that, that that's a really good call out to all the media houses. There is to say, hey, um, if you put more females on, maybe they'll return. But you I, could I agree. you could almost play devil's advocate though and say, well, maybe that's it's a bit of a chicken egg issue because maybe that's why the the new the media houses are catering to the audience and the audience is predominantly male. But we, of course, we have to change it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yes. I know myself. I do disconnect a little bit, and I'm I work for a media industry, not from all. New Sources, please don't say some. those media houses or media <laughs> stations, please, Lana. It will not do us any favours. No, but for that reason, because you, you can't relate to it in any way. No. And, um, you know, that that is obviously an issue for women all over the world, not just in Australia. Well, I think that media outlets are in a difficult situation because they don't want to alienate their traditional audiences. Yeah. But they are all in a position where they have to grow their audiences. Correct. And so they've got to get that right. And it, it is tricky. And you, you do see backlash when media organisations do something quite differently and the and their readers and listeners go, oh, hang on, that's not what the West Australian is <laughs> supposed to do or whatever. So true, yeah. So, yeah, it is hard to get that balance right, but I think they do need to experiment. 
don't. Absolutely. Hey, we talking about experimentation. I mean, we we've ran out of Can time. Can we push it to forty five minute podcast, we, we, Nikkei? Well, we can't <laughs> because we'd be a disservice to our male and female audience <laughs> of the experts podcast. But uh, Dr. Catherine, uh, that is outstanding. That really has got us thinking, and I think that is Fantastic. the kind of thing that um, if you're a female expert out there today, and you've you've had those concerns and worries, and I think look, we're very we're we're very confident that we've we've talked about this a lot there is imposter syndrome that kicks in there's hurdles in front of you that you know you worry about what other people might say or you know whether you're the right person to be talking to but you know put your hand up yeah and that's the first case here is put your hand up and say I've got something to say and whether you are male or female it doesn't it shouldn't hold you back but I want more of the females out there and I think what's pleasing for me and to share you with those stats I asked my team to run the stats on the stories that we've ran over the last three months and it's overwhelming female in fact if you're a male expert out there I want more of your content please <laughs> there's a there's a different situation a different story well, to I think it. our experts are about 50 50 though aren't they they are they yeah. are it's around 50 50 yeah. but more females get off their uh, backsides and write articles <laughs> and write stories and yarns and but I think we're very efficient and productive yeah and 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 but but also too um, we can cultivate that and they want to do it and there's the big thing I really think you've got to want to do it you've got to be good at it and you've got to be available and that's the challenges that you've very clearly stated in your research there and I think it uh, it does come to light something that we have to challenge with. Uh, Dr. Catherine uh, Shine, it's a pleasure to have you here on the Experts Podcast. No bigger expert there, Lana. Oh yeah, I'm just so stoked with that chat. Thank you so much for coming in. I loved it, thank you. Wonderful stuff and uh, and if you've enjoyed this Experts Podcast, uh, look forward to the next one when we're talking to either an expert or media. We look forward to having your company then. Thanks very much. You have been listening to the Experts Podcast powered by Media Stable. To get in touch with the team, head to the Media Stable website, mediastable.com.au.